0: Hey everyone, it's Megan with Ron Kind of Christian Podcast. Hope you're having a great day today. Today's episode is going to be a bit shorter than usual, but I wanted to follow up on last week's episode about God's faithfulness to judge, and more specifically the part where I said it's not my role to judge unbelievers. However, because God's judgment is real and it's coming, that means that we Christians, we need to get to work. Go and make disciples of all nations, right? One of the things that really bothers me about some teachers is that they tell you to do something, but they don't tell you how. And so today I'm going to take just a few minutes to give you some practical ideas on how to get to work, so to speak, how to share Christ with unbelievers in ways that won't push them away. In the last episode, I asked you guys to think about how many people you know who have been won to Christ by you know, someone yelling at them or calling them names or by hateful words. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say probably none, zero, right? But sometimes we Christians, we're not doing anything like that, but we're still very in your face with our faith, aren't we? And and we do it with good intentions, right? It's just that we we know how awesome a relationship with Christ is, and we know what that reward is at the end, and, and we just want everyone to know. And so we have good intentions, but we we really want everyone else to have that. But we can still be a bit overwhelming at times. So so let's think about some ways that we can share Christ with people without pushing them away with our exuberance, I guess. One of the first things, and maybe the easiest thing we can do is just live our lives. If we're living our lives committed to Christ, they should be able to see a difference in us. And of course, I, I say that this is the easiest thing we can do, but it's probably actually the hardest. There are so many verses that touch on this particular topic, but let's let's look at just a few. Romans chapter 12 tells us to not be conformed to this world. And Wow, that's a hard one, isn't it? We always have to be on guard to not let the world mold us, but to instead be molded by God. Isaiah chapter 64 says, You are the potter, and I am the clay, and I am the work of your hand. If we're really living a godly life, it should be evident and marked by differences. And, you know, sometimes those differences are what pull people in. Differences like meeting trials with joy instead of devastation or despair, like we're told to do in James chapter 1. And it's, of course, not that we're happy to go through those trials, but we don't lose hope because we know that the trials bring about perseverance, and we know that God's in control and he has a plan. There's a few verses that talk about keeping yourself away from the love of money. Not that money in itself is bad, but it's just it's all about your motivating factor, right? If you've been with me for a while, you know how much I return to this phrase. It's a heart issue. And there are so many different facets of living a life committed to Christ that this could probably be its own episode all by itself. And we could go through all the don'ts. Um, you know, don't gossip, don't lie, don't speak harshly, um, out of anger or un- unrighteous anger. Don't be sexually immoral. But, um, and, and of course do all those, but maybe the easiest way to look at this is by what we do instead. Put God above all else and live like you truly believe that that that's true. Live like you believe that you've been covered by his grace and mercy, and unbelievers will see a difference in you. And often they'll be curious about what that is, and they'll wonder what that is, and they'll ask you about it, and they'll want that. Another way we can share Christ with others, and and this might take a little bit more courage, but is by being willing to honestly share your testimony. And I'm not saying shove it in their faces, but when it's appropriate and when God has given you the nudge to do so, be willing to share, authentically share. In Mark chapter five, Jesus heals a man from demon possession. And when the man, um, he begs to go with Jesus afterwards, and Jesus tells him to instead go and share his story with the people in his community. Why would Jesus do that? Well, the people in this man's community, they saw him, you know, every day. They knew what kind of life this man had been living. And so when Jesus healed him and completely changed his world, what a better testimony to those who had seen him than to see the life so completely changed. Sometimes your testimony helps someone who is going through a similar situation or is struggling with whatever your struggle is. And there's no one better to share Christ with them than the person who's been saved from the same. I'm always, you know, I'm always amazed at how, how much God uses our stories, especially when, like personally for me, when I'm feeling most vulnerable in sharing some part of my testimony that I find shameful, you know, some part of my past that I'm like, "Mm, I don't really want people to know that. God always uses it in a way that that surprises me. Like, you know, that's the part that people connect to because they're dealing with the same kind of, of life, you know? And anyway, be open and honest and willing to share. And that kind of leads right into the next really practical thing we can do to share Christ with others. And that is just simply to build relationships with unbelievers Some people hide themselves away from unbelievers, but that is actually an exact opposite of Jesus's example for us. And I'm not saying to be best friends with them or anything like that, because you know it may be a hard temptation for you depending on their lifestyle. But what I am saying is to find common ground. When I was in college at Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri, we had a guest speaker come in and preach one time during our chapel service about racism in the church. And one of the things he said, and I really wish I could remember his name so that I could credit him with this, but he said that one of the best ways to not hate a particular race was to love someone of that race. Well, let's apply that to every aspect of life. Basically, he's saying to go and find common ground with someone who is different from you, and you might be surprised how quickly that removes the hate from you, and it goes both ways. Not only is it affecting your outlook on that person and others like them, but it's also hopefully giving them a positive experience with a Christian. And we've all heard these stories about how someone was treated badly by um, someone who is a Christian or even by a whole church. And, you know, let's, let's be, let's replace those memories with good connections. Not only are you giving them a positive example, but by building relationships with them, by finding those common grounds, you're allowing them to see that there isn't anything that makes us special aside from the grace of Jesus. We're not scary. Christ followers aren't intimidating. We're not perfect. We're certainly not perfect. We have good days and bad days, just like the rest of humanity, right? Just like the rest of mankind. But when they have a relationship with you, they'll see how you handle those experiences. And hopefully they'll see you leaning on God. Another thing that we can do to show Jesus to people is to serve them. Sometimes we don't like to do that. We we judge people who are struggling and we treat them like lepers in our modern world, but that isn't what Jesus would have done. And it's not what we're told to do. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. If Jesus came to serve, surely we're supposed to too. So how do we do that? Well, I'm sure it looks different in every community. Sometimes it's the things that we probably all think of, helping the homeless, um, those needing things, right? Tangible things. Sometimes it's offering to help, you know, parents of small children who just might need a break. It may be sitting with a student and tutoring them, hanging out with a senior citizen and, and listening to their stories and, you know, Finding someone in your community who um, whom you can mentor, somebody who's maybe coming up in your in your field of expertise that you can kind of walk alongside them and mentor them. It doesn't have to be some big grandiose missions trip. Although, you know, if you've never done one of those, I definitely encourage you to do so. They've been life-changing experiences for me. But what does your community need? What do the people you interact with every day need? Meet that need. And, and if I'm being honest, every time I've done any kind of service project, I always leave feeling more blessed than what I feel like I've left with them, you know? God always fills my cup all the way back up to the brim when I poured out in service for him. The last really practical, really easy thing that we can do to quote unquote work for Christ is to pray for the people that we're hoping to impact. And I mean like really, really pray for them. Pray for their hearts to be softened and their ears to be open to the truth in the gospel. Pray diligently. I recommend um, keeping a prayer list, you know, either in your Bible or if you're a prayer journaler, prayer journaler like I am, keep it in there, somewhere where you will be reminded of your commitment to lift them up in prayer. Pray for them to come to know Christ. First John chapter five tells us that if we ask anything in accordance to God's will, he will hear it. And we know that God wants people to be saved. 1 Timothy chapter 2 tells us that so pray for the unbelievers in your life. Pray for God to use you to speak to them. Pray for God to give you the courage to speak to them. Pray for them to turn to him. And I put this as the last step, but it's definitely a case of saving the best for last. And I ended the last episode with Matthew chapter 9 verse 37. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The work isn't always glorious, and there's not always immediate gratification, but it's important work. It's eternal work, kingdom work, and it's time to get busy. My challenge to you this week is to find someone in your life that you can start using some of these ideas on, someone that you can pray for, someone you can talk with. Build that relationship so that God can use you. You can do it. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. And if you're comfortable doing so, head on over to my Instagram and comment with that person's first name or DM me if you'd rather. I'd like to pray for them this week as well. As a pastor friend of mine always says at the end of his sermons, go in peace and make disciples. Amen and amen. And I will talk with you all next week. Bye, guys.